Well, thank you for uh, participating in that time. And as again, as we began today, we wanted to take a few minutes to share the an update about that and appreciate all of your prayers. And we'll continue to pray for your for your family. Uh, today is uh, week four in a series that we're in. Uh, we're calling "Surprise the World," and and I actually think what we've just spent time doing, listening to the story of. Uh, the Kuzminko family uh, and is appropriate as we think about our topic today. This is a series about really about evangelism, about sharing our faith, about sharing the hope we have and taking the opportunities that we get every day to share the hope that we have in Jesus. And I know that I've said this in earlier weeks in this series, but when we think about sharing our faith or what we often call evangelism, sometimes the word evangelism can kind of carry with it a negative connotation. And so we're trying to, in this series, think about it in a, fre- in a fresh way, kind of with a fresh perspective. We want to be people who are uh, living in a way that our faith is visible to those around us. We want to live in a way that is uh, intentional and on purpose, not loud and obnoxious about our faith, but intentional and purposeful in what we do and what we say. Uh, and, and the way that we're talking about doing that is by developing some habits, some what we're calling missional habits that we are incorporating into our lives. And I've been challenging you each week to incorporate these practices into your life that, that I believe if we do that will help us live like we want to live, like we desire to live. Uh, these are rhythms and habits that are designed to be a positive influence in our relationships and in our lives. And so the things we've been talking about are practices of blessing people, practices of eating with people, sharing tables with people, listening to the Spirit. Uh, we'll talk in future weeks about learning and being sent. Today we're going to focus on uh, this practice, this habit of listening. And, and here's the challenge that I want to extend to you kind of on the front end of the sermon this morning. And I'll, I'll talk about this and say some more about it at the end. But this is the challenge that I want, you, I want to issue sort of this, for this week. And that, and that is this. At least once this week, could be more, uh, but at least once, I want to encourage you, challenge you to create enough space in your life where you can sit silently and you can listen to the Holy Spirit. At least once this week, I want to challenge you to create enough space in your calendar, in your life, that you can sit silently and listen to the Holy Spirit. And some of you might already be a little bit ahead of me, and you're thinking to yourself, Doug, I heard you just say, I've, I've been here for the other weeks of this series. I thought you said this was a series about evangelism and sharing the hope that we have with those in our lives. And now you're sharing that one of these practices, these habits that you want us to think about is listening to the Spirit. So what does that have to do with evangelism? And if that's the question that you were asking, well, I'm glad you asked because I think I have something to say about that. Uh, the practice of blessing other people, what we talked about in, in the first week, the practice of eating with others, last week's conversation, and spending time sharing tables, those two practices require us to be with people. I'm going to just state the obvious there, right? Like they, they require you to do that. There's some engagement with people. Uh, but our effort with people needs to be supported by time without people. And that is where the practice of listening comes in. The practice of listening to the Holy Spirit is not about engagement with people as so much as it is engagement with God. And it's about allowing God to speak to your heart, God to speak, speak to and feed your spirit so that you're more effectively able to love those people around you, to love and to care for and to serve and to bless 
those people in your life. And so I'm aware, you're aware, that if we think about sort of the, the, the way that Christianity often gets portrayed, uh, often is received sort of in our culture, uh, and oftentimes the things that we see that, that, that sort of pass as Christianity in our culture often come across as really, what I'm going to say is kind of like highly reactive, right? Reacting, Christians often react uh, to anxiety that the world is falling apart. The world's not what it used to be. React to feeling like maybe we're losing. React to fear. Or react even to the concern that we don't have enough influence. Christianity doesn't have the, the same influence that it used to have. And I, I believe that when Christians live in a highly reactive way, everything's wrong and there's always a problem and all of those kind of ways of thinking, I think that that influences and shapes how we think about our faith and particularly how we think about sharing our faith. So instead of being reactive, our goal is to be people of peace, right? That Christians should live in a way that people notice. We talked about this in the very beginning of the series where our lives are questionable. They, they, they create questions in other people because they see the way we live and they think, what's different about that person? Why is that person who follows Jesus not like other people who I see living around me? Our goal is to be people of peace, people who have spent, to say it this way, spent enough time with Jesus and have been shaped by Jesus in, in significant enough ways that it changes us. To be people who have spent enough time with Jesus that we are different, that we are changed. And as a result of that change, we can give away the love that we have received to, from God to other people. And that, that idea that I've just talked about is why this spiritual habit, this spiritual practice is a part of a series like this. As we practice things like silence and solitude and prayer and listening to the Holy Spirit, the hope that we have and the hope that we have in Christ is going to be able to be more, more freely and able to be shared in deeper ways because of our connection to the Spirit. Because of our connection to the Spirit, we'll be more Spirit-led. And so this morning, I want to I look at a story from the book of Acts that I think gives us a glimpse of what I'm talking about. So you can kind of have a practical example of what I'm trying to explain here at the beginning of the sermon. So we're going to look in Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. It's a long passage. I'd encourage you to have your phone, your Bible. It'll be also here on the screen, but just kind of hang with me as we read through this story. I felt like it was important to not just sort of tell you the story, but to really read it together. Most of you have maybe heard this story, but some of you haven't. And I think it's going to be important to kind of hear how Luke tells this story as we hear and think about this idea of listening to the Holy Spirit. This is what Luke says in Acts chapter 10. He says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his, all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generous, generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day... At about three in the afternoon, Cornelius had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius did what any of us would do. He stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa, the city of Joppa, to bring back a man named Simon, who is also called Peter. Simon Peter is staying with a guy also named Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. 
When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened, and he sent them to Joppa. That's scene one. Scene two, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, as Cornelius' servants and his, his soldier were on their way and approaching the city of Joppa, Peter went up to his on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained on the sheet all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon the Tanner's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is righteous and God-fearing, who is respect, uh, God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. I want to stop there for just a second and kind of recap what we've just read. We're going to keep reading in just a minute. Luke tells us that there's this man named Cornelius, and he's this devout, God-fearing man. He's a soldier in the Roman army uh, that's occupying Israel at the time, and Cornelius is, has come to know God. He prays to God. He cares for people in his community, and as he's praying regularly, it's apparently a practice of his regular life that he's praying to God, and as he's doing that one day in the afternoon, a vision uh, he sees in this vision, this, this, he's told to go send for Peter, right? And he's given Peter's address and he's, and he's told to send men to go get him. And he, so he tells a couple of people and, he, and they go and they're on their way to Joppa. And then about noon the next day, Peter also goes up to the, on his roof to pray, which apparently was a regular part of his everyday routine. And he has this wild vision. And in this vision, he sees a sheet. Think about like you know, a bed sheet that was like dropping from heaven and on top of it are all of these animals, all animals that he as a Jew would have never touched, would have never eaten any of the meat of those animals. And, he, and he's told in this vision to get up and to kill and to eat these animals that he would have not had anything to do with as a Jew. And so Peter debates this voice that he identifies the Lord. He said, surely not, Lord. Surely you don't want me to do this thing that I'm hearing you say you want me to do. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. And three times he's told this, to what God has made clean, don't call unclean. What we need to know about this particular thing is that back in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, God had given laws to the Jews. And these laws involved things, a lot, long list of things, things like work and how you relate to and treat other people. Uh, they they, they involve things like worship and they involve things like food laws. 
food expectations about how Israel was to operate in their society. And all of these areas that were addressed in Leviticus are areas that Israel, they're being addressed in the Old Testament because God wants Israel to set themselves apart from other nations. He wants them to be different. He wants them to live questionable lives. And they were distinct from other nations because of how they functioned in these areas. God was doing a new thing through Israel, and he wanted them to be set apart so that he could do that. And that included some of their food and dietary laws. And these practices have been carried down all the way up till now in this moment that we're reading about with Peter on the rooftop, seeing this sheep being dropped from heaven with all these unclean animals that he nor any of his descendants, his ancestors would have ever eaten or considered eating. And they might seem odd to us if we go back and like look through all of these things that Israel is told to not do. But the purpose of these laws was to build into the fabric of their community something that made them distinct and different. And Peter knows this. That's why I'm sharing it with you. He knows that's the context that you and I don't have as we come to this scene of Peter on the rooftop praying. He knows this. And so I think that Peter sees this vision and, he's th- and he thinks, okay, maybe this is a test. Maybe God is testing me to see if I know all the kosher laws. And so that's when he says, surely not, Lord. I believe that Peter thinks that he's passed the test. And then while all of this is happening, the doorbell rings, right? And who's at the door? But these Gentiles who have come to Peter and who were sent by another Gentile named Cornelius. And then this is what happens next, picking up in the second part of verse 23. The next day... Peter's come, they've come into Peter into Simon the Tanner's home. And the next day, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and he had called together his relatives and close friends. So there's a gathering at his house. And Peter, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. He said, stand up. I'm, I'm only myself a man. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are all aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or even visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without hesitation, without raising any objection. May I ask, though, why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. 
They killed him by hanging him on a, tr- on, on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. So Peter goes with these men and some of the Christians from Joppa, and they go to meet Cornelius. And right up front, Peter wants everybody to know, just in case anybody's not sure, he says, you know it's against the law for me to do what I'm doing right now. It's against my law, the Jewish law, for me to do what I'm doing. And then we hear Peter processing out loud his prayer experience on that rooftop. And we hear this phrase, It's against the law for me to be here, but God has shown me. But God has shown me. Peter goes from surely not, Lord, to but God has shown me that I should not call any person impure or unclean. And listen to me, this change for Peter happens in prayer. Through the time that he was spending listening to, to the Spirit of God. And it not only shapes Peter and Cornelius and dozens apparently of other people who were gathered at all these people's homes, it is part of the reason you're sitting here today. Because before this moment, God was only for Israel. And Peter thought God was only for Israel. And his heart change, his mind change happened in prayer as he was opening himself up to being aware of and listening to God's voice in his life. And we see it in the very next chapter in Acts chapter 11. Listen listen to this, beginning in verse 1 of Acts chapter 11. The apostles, this is kind of a little bit later after after what's just happened, just a little while later, people are starting to find out what's happening, that God is for Gentiles. And so Luke tells us in Acts 11, beginning in verse 1, he says, The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? And starting from the beginning, Peter tells them the whole story. I'm not going to tell it to you again, but he goes through and tells them the whole story about what just happened in Acts chapter 10. Peter gets back to Jerusalem and a group of Jews who are circumcised, known as the circumcision party, they start to criticize Peter and they're like, why are you going to do this with these people? They're critical of Peter. We catch this, right? They're, they're critical of Peter because Peter is practicing radical inclusion and he's welcoming Gentiles into God's family. And in their judgment, he is doing something. As far as they know, he is doing something unlawful and wrong. He welcomed them. At the end of chapter 10, he baptized, they're baptized. He's allowing people into the kingdom of God that they don't think should be allowed into the kingdom of God. And so Peter explains it step by step. He tells the whole prayer rooftop story again. And I want you to listen. We're just going to kind of skip ahead to save a little bit of time. I want you to listen to what he says and notice in Peter's answer why he says that he made the decision that he made. In Acts chapter 11, verse 11, he says, Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. 
What does he say? The Spirit told me to do it. He looks at those in the circumcision party and he says, I hear your criticism and I understand what you're saying. I also get it. I'm a Jew. And honestly, I would have thought the same thing. But then I had a breakthrough and now I see things differently. Then the Spirit of God changed my mind and now I see things differently. And he knows now that God does not show favoritism, that God is not just for Israel. God is not just for Jews. He has a new understanding because that is what the Spirit told him. And Luke goes on to tell us a few verses later in Acts 11, verse 18, he says, when they heard this, when they heard his whole explanation and they heard the whole rooftop story and they heard how God had changed his mind because the Spirit of God spoke to him, he said, when they heard this, they had no further objections. <laughs> and they praised God too, saying, and I imagine them sort of scratching their head but going, okay, amazing, right? They say, so then, even Gentiles... God has granted repentance that leads to life. Can we feel this morning what a radical thing it would have been for them to have all said that? Right? They're, they're scratching their heads and trying to figure it out. They are amazed that God has done something that they didn't think that God would ever do. Making a distinction, we still do this to this day, making a distinction between us and them is the way the world is organized. And now Peter is saying, God has come for the world and not just for Israel. And they don't all understand, I'm convinced that they do not all understand it in that moment, but they're like, we don't have any further objections. Welcome them into the family. And it all starts it all starts when Peter goes up to the roof to pray. The rooftop prayer becomes this moment for Peter where he is ready to listen, where the Spirit of God speaks or nudges or guides, whatever word you want to use, and where he responds. And it led to the spread of the good news in that time and even in part again because of why we're sitting here today as people who are Gentiles. We're not Israel. Because somebody responded to the Spirit of God a long, long time ago. And so this morning, I want us to use this story as a way to help us think about being the kind of people who are regularly fostering the habit of listening to the Spirit. And as a result of regularly fostering and practicing the habit of listening to the Spirit, that we are becoming increasingly Spirit-led. And though I've talked about this before, if you've been a part of this church for a long time, I, I've talked about this before, I still feel like I want to acknowledge today that depending in a room like this, depending on your background and your journey with Jesus, what I'm saying to some of us sounds like crazy talk. Hearing me talk about listening to the Spirit may seem scary or unfamiliar to you, and if that's the, your story, that is okay today. I want to acknowledge, though, that we're, we're all on a journey, and we're all at different places on that journey. But I also want us to acknowledge and be honest about the fact that what we say we believe, church, is that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what we say we believe. But most of us, for most of our lives, have not had a regular practice of knowing what to do with 
that presence that fills us. It's there, and we're kind of grateful for it, but we're not always sure what to do with it because we never heard anybody talk about it, and we've not always seen it practiced in a way that felt like it made sense to us. And so today I want to listen to this story. I want to listen to this story, and I want us to lean into Acts 10 and 11 and to see it as a way of praying that Peter models for us and, and that maybe we can also use in our own lives. Maybe begin to see what, Peter, what we see in Peter's life and even in Cornelius' life in Acts 10 and 11, right, as a way that we might be able to move forward and know a little bit more what to do with the Spirit of God that is living, that is living in you as a follower of Jesus Christ. And so today I want to I talk about prayer as a way to listen to the Holy Spirit, or what some people refer to as contemplative prayer, what other people have written about and talked about as sitting with Jesus. And some of you, again, have heard me talk about this before, uh, but it's probably good for you to be reminded. I think it's probably been nine or 10 years since I've talked about this on a stage in a sermon. But my journey with prayer has been going on for a long time, obviously. But uh, some years ago, specifically, I began to feel some conviction in my own life that my prayers and the prayers of the church, not just this church, every church, uh, had primarily been about me or about the needs of people and taking my list of requests to God. You with me? Like that's primarily what I had known of prayer being. God, here is what I need you to do, fix, repair, heal. Here's my list. And then the next day I'd go back with my list. And sometimes it was the same list. And it just over and over and over and over. Here's the things I'd like for you to address and fix and repair and heal. Thank you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I, I felt convicted about 15 years ago. I, I began to feel really convicted that that had been my primary understanding of prayer up to that point in my life. And it wasn't working for me, honestly. And I was employed as a minister at a church. And so I had this sort of crisis. What do I do? What do, I do? And again, there, there are places for that kind of prayer. So don't hear me saying negative things about praying to God and submitting our requests to God. There's places for that. But in my journey to discover, in my journey of faith at that particular point in my life, it wasn't helpful to me. I was not ready to give up on Jesus, but that way of talking to God wasn't helpful to me anymore. And I really, and so it started, it really, it kind of, I had a crisis, a little bit of a crisis of, of, of it with that. And it started off for me as a, as a desire to sort of move away from that being my primary way of interacting with God. Hear me, I'm using my words on purpose. I felt like that was still important, but I wanted to move away from it being my primary way of interacting with God. And I was particularly shaped by the fact, by, by this fact, that as I thought about my human relationships with people, uh, there was this really simple thing that I noticed that in the time I spent with people, this is what happened. I talked and then they talked. I listened and then they listened. And this was everybody's experience, it turned out. And then I noticed in my prayer life, I was the only one doing the talking. And I never let God talk. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be friends with anybody who only wants to talk and never wants to give me a chance to talk 
who, who never gives me, you know, there's no back and forth. Like, that's not a relationship. You don't have a relationship with anybody, a good relationship with anybody that does all the talking. I am certain of that. You may have a relationship with somebody that does that, but not a good one. And don't be nudging anybody right now sitting next to you, right? Like, and as I, I think it's safe to say that nobody wants that kind of relationship. But so there was, that was, I'm, I'm sharing like a very small kind of bite-sized part of my journey. This has happened over a long period of time. But I knew that there was more. I sensed that there was more to prayer. That God, I, I, had, I knew I had the spirit of God living in me, but I wasn't sure what to do about it. So I've gone on this journey. And I want to say that listening is a practice that takes practice. It takes practice because listening does not come naturally to me, and it doesn't come naturally to a lot of us. Like I said, a lot of us, for most of us, maybe most of us, for, to think about prayer, prayer was not taught to us this way. Prayer was us talking and God listening. Like a radio, you only heard one way, right? If God had something to say, most of us were taught it was in the Bible, which is true, but that's not all God has to say, I have come to realize. And if you've, if you've never spent time doing this practice of listening to the Spirit, it might feel, probably will feel awkward, uncomfortable. And that's because it is like a muscle that we haven't worked out. And it will take practice and time. But I believe, I believe, and I've experienced that something happens when we, as the people of God, make space to listen to the Holy Spirit and trust that the Spirit will speak and is speaking into our lives. And this morning, I want to sort of pose to us, what if God is still just as interested in leading and guiding his people today as he was back in Acts chapter 10 and 11? I think some of us were taught God is not interested in doing that. And I want to suggest, what if God is? Would we be open to it if God was? I mean, you see it happen all over the book of Acts, right? In Acts chapter 2, Jesus instructs his new disciples to not even attempt to engage in the mission of God until the Holy Spirit has come upon them. And then Peter is filled with the Spirit and he preaches. And then there's this story in Acts 10 and 11. And then in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas go on mission, a mission trip because the Holy Spirit calls them to do that during a worship service. And then in Acts chapter 16, Paul is led by the Spirit to testify about Jesus. This is what I want you to hear as you think about all those examples that I just gave. The testimony of the church in Acts is this, that you see these words in, in, Acts, in the book of Acts. They were filled with the Spirit. They heard from the Spirit. The Spirit called them. The Spirit led them on mission. The early Christians participated in Jesus' renewal of the world intentionally, and they were spirit-led in doing so. And what I'm wondering is what would God do through us, in us, if we made ourselves available to hear from him in this day, in this time? Some of you already have well-developed rhythms of listening to the Spirit's voice. And some of us this morning may have not ever even given it much thought. What I'm talking about is like a different language to you. And again, wherever you are in that journey, it's okay. But again, what I want to challenge you is with is this. At least once this week, could be more, create space 
in your life where you can sit silently and listen to the Holy Spirit. And what I'm, I'm going to walk through very quickly and sim simply what I'm describing. And it's just sitting with, it sound, it's, I'm just, what I'm describing is as simple as it sounds. Simply sitting quietly with the Lord. Some of us will have to be intentional about when we do that because of our schedules and our kids and our lives. I'm talking about setting aside at least some time. 20 minutes, I would say, is best, but 10 is better than, you know, 10, if that's 10 is what you can do, do 10. Five is better than none. Start somewhere. Set a timer on your phone if you have to. Do morning, noon, or night, whatever time is best for you. Find a comfortable place to sit. Breathe for a minute and slow down and let your mind kind of do the thing that our minds are going to do when we actually sit down and put our phones down. Breathe for a minute and let your mind sort of kind of run its course and take a moment to quietly kind of still your heart and quiet yourself. You might even find it helpful to talk to God for a moment. But I want you to imagine after you've done that, now you're silent, you're literally sitting, and I want you to acknowledge Jesus' presence there with you. And you know, again, this might sound crazy. In the Bible, Jesus says, I am always with you. So all you're doing is acknowledging that Jesus said he would always be with you. So acknowledge that. And then I just want you to sit and be present to the Lord of the universe giving your full attention to God in that moment. And from time to time, as you're doing this and as you practice it more and develop the muscle, you're going to let something or maybe someone else into that space with you. It might be a person. It might be a situation you're dealing with. It might just be that you're paying attention and you're there and you know that Jesus is there and you're sitting with this person or this situation, this issue that you're dealing with, this challenge that you're facing You've talked to God about it, but you want to hear what God has to say about that or that person or that thing. And in my experience, when you're doing that, while you're sitting with Jesus, if Jesus talks a lot, it probably isn't Jesus. It's probably you. So just keep listening. Jesus, in my experience, has not been real chatty. You know, a word, a phrase, a scripture, something like that. Again, if you, this is not your experience. I know it sounds like another language. Trust me. I would ask you to trust me as, I, as you practice it. There may be a peace that comes over you. There may be something that you feel clearly led to do. When I practice silently listening to the Spirit, again, I'm being pretty vulnerable and, and trying to present this to you this morning and kind of give you a glimpse into what this journey looks like and has looked like for me. When I'm practicing this, I will use what is called a centering prayer uh, by people who have written about these kind of things. It's a word or a phrase. We've had some classes about this kind of thing. To, to bring, it's, they're, they're designed to bring your mind back when it wanders. Uh, my go-to sort of centering prayer phrase is from Luke chapter 18, the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector, where the tax collector says, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or sometimes I just say, Lord, have mercy. And it helps sort of recenter my thoughts. You can pick any word or phrase that you feel like is helpful to you. I'm just telling you what I do. And I want to emphasize that the practice of listening takes time. And so be patient with yourself. Again, I started the journey of learning about what's called contemplative prayer 15 years ago, and I still feel like I'm a rookie at it. And don't do it perfectly. Don't do it well. Don't do it consistently. 
And I've done a lot of things over the years to try and learn about the practice. I've talked to people here. I've talked to people outside of our church. I've read books. I've listened to sermons. I've been on, been on silent prayer retreats. This practice is going to take time, but it will be useful to you for the rest of your life if you'll do it. And I believe that over time, this missional habit of listening to the Spirit is capable of helping us be increasingly led by the Holy Spirit. And that what happened in Acts chapter 10 and 11 doesn't have to just happen in Acts chapter 10 and 11, but could happen in your life every single way. It may not be the same significant situation that Peter dealt with and that Cornelius was involved with, but it might be something that is big and significant in your life. Maybe the Spirit will prompt you with someone that he wants to lead you toward in relationship Maybe the, the Spirit will prompt you, that you to, to someone that you want to bless or share a meal with. Or maybe the Spirit will prompt you to a next step that you might take with someone. Maybe the Spirit won't address anything regarding to sharing your faith. Maybe the Spirit will address something going on in your own life, in your own heart. Or maybe all you'll hear is God say, I love you. Maybe there will be nothing that is said. And even if that happens... I promise you that some time of silence to enjoy the presence of God with no agenda and no list of prayer requests to scroll through or to think about will bless your life and your day for whatever day you do it. And, and this is the, you know, I want to say all of all the things I've said, here's what I want to say next. And this is really the most important thing today. I believe that there are spiritual breakthroughs in our lives that cannot happen outside of listening. I think there are things that God wants to do in our lives that we will not ever do or know about because unless we listen. If, and think about it. If you're having a relationship with somebody and they have something really important that they want to say to you, but you sit down for a coffee and you talk the whole hour, you'll never hear what the important thing was that they had to say. I believe there are spiritual breakthroughs that cannot happen outside of listening. They won't happen while we talk. And if you spent no time with this practice, you'll have to just trust me with that. We don't pray to be heard because of our many words. We pray to be formed by the Spirit of God. God, think about it this way, God could have done the whole thing by himself, but he chose to use people and he chose to fill those people with the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same spirit that we read about in the book of Acts. It's the same Holy Spirit. And so my challenge for us this morning is to commit this week to spend at least one period of the week listening to the Spirit's voice. More is great if you do more than one, but at least start with one. And so this morning we're going to end uh, a little differently. I'm going to just give us a couple of minutes of silence. And then Chris is going to come up and lead us in our last song before the shepherd's prayer. <clears throat> Father, as we end this morning, we want to ask that you'll still our hearts and open our ears so that we can hear. We pray that you'll be with us as we engage in this practice of listening this week, of setting aside at least one time this week to try to actively still ourselves and sit qu quietly for a few minutes to be in your presence. And if that's all that happens, that that will be a gift enough by itself. But if you choose to say a word to us, that we'll be open to that. We want to practice now, Father, to do that. And we just want to sit with you together as a church for a minute before we sing. And so we pray that you'll be here among us, help our hearts and eyes and ears to be attentive 
to your presence.